Welcome to the Sharp 600, brought to you by Covers.com. I'm Rob Cressy, and I'm super excited to be jamming with you. And joining me on today's show is Chris Andrews, Sportsbook Director at South Point. You can follow him on Twitter, at Andrews Sports. Chris, great to have you on the show. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And I'm really excited to talk to you for several reasons. Uh, one, because I recently finished your book, which I really enjoyed, but I'm also interested in getting your sports betting knowledge. So what we're going to do is we're going to sort of look forward as well as backwards to help us be smarter and more informed bettors. But the first thing that's on my mind is actually uh, looking at the match two, Tiger and Peyton versus Phil and Tom Brady. And it felt good to feel like a sports fan for a few hours where I could feel the pulse of Twitter. Um, a lot of us had action on it. I'm curious from your end, how was the handle on that? Well, the handle on the match itself was very good. Uh, we put up a bunch of props and people, I mean, they bet them, but not really all that strong. Um, you know, we, we did well on it. I mean, there was only, God, I don't even know if we had more than a couple thousand dollars difference, you know, between the, the two, uh, you know, four very public figures. And, uh, you know, we had, I, I was very happy with the action. Like I said, we put a couple of bucks in our pocket at the end of the day, nothing major, but I was just glad to see people betting and they were. So that, that part was terrific. On the prop side of things, I think I would have liked to get more invested in that. But I think one of the challenges for the casual better would have been we're not exactly sure how to, from the standpoint of Peyton and Brady, give this unknown element. We're also dealing with things like on the fifth hole, they're only going to use one club. So it was almost more of like a roll in the dice where I have less control than I do on a Super Bowl prop bet. Well, part of that is what made it fun and great TV. Uh, but personally, um, the, the second nine to me was a lot more intriguing, you know, with uh, the uh, every other ball. <laughs> I just, I thought that was great. You know, I think that made it, um, well, I don't know about more fair, but certainly more intriguing from the standpoint of guys wanting to watch it and just see, because, uh, you know, you know, Phil and Tiger are going to do pretty darn good. We don't know how good Brady and Manning are going to be, especially with a, a little pressure. I, I'm not sure. I mean, these guys have been under pressure situations. But things that they're used to, this is not something that they're used to, and it's a whole different ball of wax. Like, I, I'm, I, I've used this example before. I make numbers, and I got guys firing hundreds of thousands at me. And I'm comfortable doing that because I, I do it. But if you send me the line to make a foul shot, I don't care if it's for 10 bucks. I'm probably going to choke because I just don't do it, you know. And, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, Peyton and Tom were, were probably in, in that ballpark. Yeah, and I agree with you because I think one of the challenges was Tom Brady struggled early. So it was literally the second he hit his tee shot into the woods, you knew it was now uh, Phil versus yeah. the other two players. And even then, uh, the, the game ended up becoming – Everyone was having fun at Tom Brady's expense until he hits what was arguably the most viewed golf shot in the history of television. That was fantastic. It really was. Um, did we learn anything from this? Because I felt like golf was fun for the first time for a casual fan. So obviously a lot of us like the majors, the masters, the US Open, those come on and we like it. But there was a candid and relatable nature of things where one, we knew all of the players, which isn't exactly always going to be the case if someone were going to be watching or betting golf. So 
For example, it could be Tiger Woods and KJ Choi. Well, KJ Choi isn't really going to do anything for the casual fan, but all of a sudden you see the name recognition and then you see them being fallible and then you hear them mic'd up and they're in carts. And it very much took us to the way that people traditionally play golf. Do you think there's any element of this where the PGA Tour could say, wait a second, are we on to something here? And why don't we replicate some form of what we learned? Well, I hope they think that because I think it was terrific. You know, when we get the um, when we get the, the 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 four championship events, the four majors, there's usually a lot of talk around it. But like you said, there's sometimes when you'd have a couple of golfers and God, I forget what year it was. Remember, three guys missed putts on. I think it was in the British. You know, and I mean that was pretty cool because you know we've all missed putts. God knows. Um, but this, you know, got a lot of chatter. And, you know, usually if they're playing somewhere, you know, in Palm Springs or something, people like the event. But afterwards, there's really no buzz about it. The here, there's been buzz about it. Here we are a couple of days afterwards, and you and I are still talking about it. And I see a lot of people talking about it. My one friend bets golf like crazy, and he's been texting me every day. You know, of course, he had the loser, so he's really complaining an awful lot. Uh but, uh, you know, those kind of things, I think, resonate. And, um, you, know, I don't, you know, I don't know the right matchups. I think this one was great. But, you know, there's, there's other great golfers out there. And uh, somebody said to have, like, Smoltz and, um, and Tony Romo hook up with two other guys because those two are two of the better amateur golfers out there. And I think that would be pretty cool, too, because Smoltz and Romo are both announcers, so I think they'd be pretty glib and, you know, probably busting each other's chops pretty good. But, you know, Peyton certainly was a master at that himself. I mean, he, I was very impressed. That's um, going to be a hard act to follow. I'd love to get Charles on there, but he's so bad. I mean, he's going to shoot, you know, a, a legitimate, like, 120 probably. So I don't know who, who, who we're going to put him with. So I, I don't know. Albeit, I will say that Charles Barkley is one of my winners of the day because yeah. when they showed him trying to get that bogey on 18, his stroke was nothing like anybody had seen before because yeah. we had all seen the disaster that it was. So when he had what would look like a normal stroke, we're like, whoa, wait a second. What is this version of Charles Barkley? Yeah, like I said, um, I don't know who we'd pair him up with. Maybe I could go out with him. I, you know, I could probably <laughs> shoot 120, I think. So uh, maybe I could play with Charles. Well, of course, because if we're going to do Charles Barkley, then you would say, let's get Michael Jordan in on the mix. Because right now, who is bigger than coming off the last dance? Let's get Michael Jordan. I love your Romo and Smoltz. I think Steph Curry immediately was like, oh, I yeah. would like to do this. Yeah. So if we get some um, athletes who are in the – two to 10 handicap range where they're competent, though not perfect. Um, though, shout out to everyone who used to watch the programs back in the day. Get someone like Al Del Greco, who used to be an ace on. Uh, oh, yeah. Games. Yeah. I, you know, I, I spent many years in Reno. So uh, we had a book up at, up at Lake Tahoe. And when they had the celebrity tournament, those guys were coming in and betting on me. You know, fortunately on themselves, I would say. But uh, you know, I got to know a little bit, but I mean, I've been far removed from that now, but like Rick Roden was a great golfer. What was the one little guy it was, um, Rock Wagner. Uh, I forget his name. He was on one of the soap operas. He was a terrific golfer too. So there's a couple of guys, uh, that were up there. 
Um, so, you know, that, that was always pretty fun to have that. So, uh, you know, I, I'd love to do that again. That'd be great. Hold up. From our friends at Covers Experts, here's an exclusive offer for the Sharp 600 listeners only. Get 25% off any Covers Experts product when you use promo code SHARP25. Take advantage of this limited time offer. Save a little money and follow the pros all the way to the bank. Again, that's SHARP25 for 25% off any product. Woo! Now let's look at the current sports betting landscape. And Gary Bettman came out yesterday talking about uh, the proposed plan for the NHL to come back. And there's a 24-team playoff. And while there's no tentative dates, it gave us all a hint of optimism because the NHL said, you know what, we're at least going to do this. Um, for my money, the Stanley Cup is the greatest trophy and uh, playoffs in all of sports. And I know it's a lot more regional, me being from Pittsburgh and living in Chicago. Hockey is a very big part of my life. But we also appreciate um, how much hockey players go through to get that. But here's what I'm curious about from your standpoint is how is this going to change things now? Because one of the elements of winning a Stanley Cup, which makes it so special, is the grueling nature of it. You have to overcome injuries. You have to play injuries. And now I'm looking at some of the Stanley Cup betting odds. We've got the Bruins, Lightning, Avalanche, the Vegas Golden Knights. There's some of the favorites right there. But then me, I'm like, well, what about you look at the Capitals and the Penguins and these teams that have the experience of winning the Cup? Is there a way that we should be thinking about where could value become with this unknown for who could win the Stanley cup? Well, you just got to be careful because we're going to have uh, eight teams, I guess, with buys the first round, you know, I guess uh, to get as many teams involved as was possible. I think they had to do it that way. So I, I give them, uh, I give them kudos for doing it like that. So be careful because that's one less series that they're going to have to win. Uh, you know, I think our Penguins, I'm a Penguin fan too. I think they're very much alive. I think they played very well this year with a, a lot of injuries, an inordinate amount of injuries. Now we have to check the health status of everybody, but if they have a full lineup, I think they're going to be very tough to beat. Looks like they'll probably play Philly the second round if they get past Montreal, which I think they can. And I think they match up really well against Philly. I think they could beat them. So, you know, and I, I know I'm biased. I'm a big Penguin fan. I'm surprised I don't, if I didn't know you were from Pittsburgh, I'd have wore my Penguin shirt <laughs> instead of my uh, Montana State shirt today. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think they're, li they're viable. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I always like really defensive-oriented teams primarily. And a lot of times you do see one, a team with, like, one great line because uh, usually it's just going to be a goal or two that's probably going to make the difference in this game. So, uh, you know, usually I'd like to play a good defensive team that has one hot line. I don't know how we're going to determine who's a hot line right now. We probably know who's going to be uh, good defensive teams. But uh, other than that, that's, that's usually what I look for. But I think I didn't make the odds too high on the long shots here because I got my futures board up. I don't have it memorized right now. But, you know, I mean, this is going to be a little crazy – and, uh, you know, what if a, a goaltender comes down with a COVID, you know, and, uh, you know, that could uh, upset the card very, very easily. So for the teams who have to play that extra game, traditionally we'd be like, well, you wouldn't want to play more games. But when we're starting from zero in this long layoff, could a three-game sweep or building the momentum 
as often happens in a series, you win that game seven, you go on to the next round, you carry that momentum. Whereas these teams who are the higher seeds with the buys, they're going to be coming in a little bit rusty with less momentum. Could there be an advantage and more value in some of those, let's call it five through eight teams? Well, again, I think that's a very good point. I've seen some guys saying that actually those teams have the advantage. Um, I'm usually a math-oriented guy, so I understand how the extra series that you do have to win. And like I said, I think the Penguins, for example, I think can handle Montreal. But there's just so much ambiguity right now with everything. So it's not a slam dunk. You still have to go out and win those games. But I do understand what guys are saying, and to your point, yeah, if you get if you get some games under your belt in a tight in a series in, in in a series, it could be helpful. And by the way, let's just back up for one second. I I have been the World Series, uh, NCAA basketball. I've been to many Final Fours. I've been to a Super Bowl, NBA playoffs, Kentucky Derby, what have you. There is nothing more intense than a Stanley Cup game. They finish checks in the corner, and. Uh, you know, so there is a lot of intensity and maybe that extra three, because it's a five game series, I believe the first series, Correct. you know, that three to five games you're playing might hone your skills pretty well and just get you used to that pressure because it's pressure, boy, let me tell you. And, uh, you know, th- th- that's a point. That's just one more handicapping angle to look at. What would you expect from an interest level or a handle standpoint, knowing that sports betters, are very much wanting to bet on sports. And while we may not traditionally be betting hockey for the casual fan, when all of a sudden they say, here's something with some stakes on it, would you expect to see an increase in handle on hockey betting this year as opposed to past years because of the long layoff? Another good – you must have gone to school or something. That's another good question. It's <laughs> good. Uh, <laughs> You know, when I when I got to Las Vegas this last time, so I got there uh, 2016, I had to fight with my crew every night to just get hockey on a couple of the big screens, you know. Um, and once it got on, because we have a lot, of, a lot of customers from, you know, that northern belt, you know, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Detroit, Buffalo, New York, et cetera. Um, so they wanted it on. But I had to fight with my supervisors and stuff to get it on every day. Then once the, the nights came around and, and your casual fans started watching more hockey, and not just the nights, but other teams too, they got exposed to what a great, great game this is. I mean, you're out there on the ice, and it's always like you're watching a heavyweight fight. Everybody can throw that haymaker at any time. You never know when it's coming. And so our hockey handle, well, I don't want to quote exact figures, but it, it's gone through the roof it, even in the last four or five years. Uh, and I think this will – I think it's going to be tremendous. I mean, people are Jones in the bet, and, you know, we do have the Knights that are going to miss the first round. But I think a lot of people, again, that northern tier, and there's a lot of those transplants in Las Vegas. And even, you know, we get a lot of guys from – you know, the Kings been kind of down, Anaheim not so great. Uh, you know, actually Arizona hasn't been bad. You know, San Jose was down. So actually it's been a bad year for Western hockey. Uh, but a lot of those guys have turned into pretty good hockey fans too. So it's just a great game. And I think especially now, you know, you're going to have drama right from the get-go. And I think people are going to uh, glom onto that pretty good and start betting right away. All right. So let's 
move that then to the baseball side of things. Here's a sport that has been uh, traditionally not forward thinking, very traditionalists for the casual fan. We're usually not betting like we do some of these other sports, but here comes this golden opportunity for baseball. Everybody wants sports. Everybody wants to bet on anything and baseball still hasn't found a way to get a season going. But if they do, are you going to think that there's going to be an increase in baseball handle as well? Or is baseball just different from all of these because the longer season and they're a little bit regressive and slow moving? You know, that, that's a tough one because, you know, we, we did an analysis and this is strictly the South point. I can't speak for the rest of the strip, but one of the things that really helps us at South point, we have very easy access to the sports book by parking. You don't have to valet. You don't have to park in a huge garage. We have a lot right next to the sports book. And it's filled almost all the time. And a lot of it is filled by guys who come in on a daily basis. So our baseball handle is a high percentage of our overall handle, probably higher than almost anybody else in Vegas, I, I would venture to say. And a part of that is the easy accessibility. But the other part of it is just every day, every day, every day. And a lot of it is when nothing else is going on. You know, once you get past the NBA and uh, Stanley Cup playoffs in June, then you got July, August, starts picking up a little bit. Guys are looking at some football. But you have like that period where there's not much going on. Oh, then, of course, we get into September where the race is really tightened up. Then, of course, October, you got the playoffs. So our baseball handle is really good. This year, they have a chance of blowing all that because you're, you're probably going to have hockey that you're going to compete with. It looks like you're going to have the NBA that you're going to compete with. Football isn't very far around the corner. So they had this golden opportunity, I think. They, they could have started, what are we, May 27th now? I think they, you know, had they been aggressive, they could have got these guys in camp like today and have a pitcher start throwing. And maybe, you know, by the end of June or, or even earlier than that, have baseball started and just get a jump on these other sports. But it's almost like they're writing a book how to screw up a, a major American sport right now because, you know, that seems like what they're doing. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to take sides, owners versus players. I tend to always go with the players and especially the lower echelon players. And um, I hope they agree to something. because I, I still like baseball. A lot of times my wife and I, we sit at home and we might be playing cards or playing a game or doing something else. But we love to have baseball on the radio or on the TV just as kind of some background noise. And, you know, it's a, it's a tremendous sport for that. And she's a big baseball fan, really, probably bigger than me. So she loves baseball. And it's just, you know, something that helps us, you know, build a relationship together. You know, not that we need that after all these years, but it's something that we still have. And, and uh, you know, we, we, we enjoy together. I love that. So speaking of books, let's get to the book you wrote, Then One Day, 40 Years of Bookmaking in Vegas, which I just finished. And I highly recommend if you're listening to this podcast, you pick it up and reading it because it was very candid. It was very insightful. It gave me great insight from the history of bookmaking. Um, another thing that I loved is the stories and anecdotes in it because any sports better has stories. We obviously know our bad beats and the long shots that hit and things like that. And I've got a few questions for you. One, 
How do pros think differently than Joes do when it comes to sports betting? Well, I think any, any pro, whether you're a better or a bookmaker, you have to look at numbers first. I mean, listen, I, I've, you know, I, I've gone on record a couple of times. I remember like, you know, when the Patriots won their first Super Bowl, they had to beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh to get there. And I was on my radio show and I gave out the Patriots. I said, you know, that, and I really painted this scenario. They were going to probably beat the Steelers on special teams. And if you remember that game, Troy Brown Ugh. had a punt return for a touchdown, you know, because, and I, I just, you know, it, whatever it was, I thought the circumstances were there. And I gave that out. And people in Pittsburgh were ready to hang me. I said, well, I'm just telling you what I think. You can bet. Listen, when they kick off, I'm going to be rooting for the black and gold. But I'm just telling you who, what my numbers say. So, however, whatever your methodology is, and everybody's going to have a different one, and they should have a different one. Uh, but you have to go by your numbers. I mean, there's times, and, I, you know, my daughter went to Penn State. And if she knew how many times I, I bet on Michigan against Penn State, because they had our number for a while, she would disown me, I think. So I hope she's not watching this. But there's plenty of times that I bet on Michigan against Penn State. But like I said, once they kick off, you know, I'm all over here. I'm rooting for Penn State. But still, that's just the way it goes. You have to keep your numbers and your methodology. And by the way, I would always tell, always tell people to question your methodology nobody's is 100%. Nobody's in the world in anything. So if you see flaws, maybe you're betting too many underdogs, you're betting too many favorites, you know, your team tends to turn the ball over too much, then you're missing something. Maybe your special teams analysis isn't good enough. Constantly question yourself, but find a methodology that works for you and go by numbers. You got to, you know, that heart and soul, that's what's turned us into this business, you know? And I always say, I don't want to let go of my fanhood. I don't want to do that. That's what got me into this racket. But I still think objectively when my money's on the table. Hey, once they kick off, right, man, you're on your own, man. I'm, I'm going to root for who I want to. You always make more money. Don't worry about it. You can get there. So. It's one of the reasons why the Yinzer and me rarely, <laughs> if ever, bets on the Steelers. For I'm so vested that I like to feel that I'm a very pragmatic better. I try and remove emotion from things as much as I can. So there was a quote that I highlighted in a book that I really liked. You said, if you're betting sports, you have to recognize value where others don't. Those habits carry into every aspect of your life. Whether you're buying a car or a cup of coffee, you don't pay more than it's worth. So how do we think about value and where do we look for it in betting? Well, first thing I would tell you is you, you don't want to think parallel to well, number one, to the bookmaker, and number two, to the betting public out there. You have to look at things a little differently. You have to be a little bit of a contrarian. Now, don't just blanketly be the contrarian. That does not work either. You're going to get eaten a lot. But look at things a little differently. I, you know, one example that I use over the years, guys will always come up to me and they say, that looks like a trap game. That's a trap game. And you know what that is 99% of the time? It's a road favorite that they don't think is high enough. So I always saw this guy, you know, it, I, you know, I played a little bit of the sports, not much, but I know, I know guys obviously that have. It's tough to go on the road and win. You know, you have the fans screaming at you. You, you aren't going to get the benefit of the whistle. Uh, you know, it's tough to go on the road and win. And uh, that seems to be throughout all sports. I worked a little while with some Europeans, and they had a thing 
I know a lot of bookmakers in soccer picked three winner, three road teams to win, and you got paid. And it looked like one of those things. What, you know, Manchester United, Arsenal? Yeah, they're going to win. Are you kidding me? Of course. And, you know, obviously bookmakers are not out there to give away money. It was actually a great prop for them. So, you know, that's, you know, across the pond, but we see it here all the time. And usually when a guy says it's a trap game, it's a favorite that he doesn't think is high enough, and usually it's a favorite on the road. So those home teams, they come up and bite you an awful lot. So this is a great segue to the last thing that I want to talk to you about is innovation in sports betting. So you talked about the parlay card in the book and how that was just such a success. But then you also had, well, you had the best contest format you'd ever created, the $500 buy-in where you had to bet 10% on each race for 10 races. And immediately upon seeing that, I was like, I would like to enter this immediately. So with this in mind, with us getting more creative with sports betting, like we saw with the Tiger and Phil match, we're starting to see different ways to chop things up. What's the next level of innovation for ways that we can do sports betting because props have become extremely popular, but what other ways can we do it? Because to make it easier and more accessible for the casual fan, like some of the things that you created, really opens up the potential for sports betting. Well, right now, I think we're, we are probably exhausting it, you know, but had you asked me that same question 20 years ago, I would have given you the same answer. I thought at that point in time, you know, we, we got everything we could possibly think of. And here we are 20 years later, there's a lot more stuff on the menu. So I'm not sure, but we're always looking for things. And, you know, it's a shame. I'm not going to tell you what this is. But Jimmy and I, Jimmy Vaccaro and I, had come up with a really good contest for this year. And uh, we're not going to do it. Uh, it's a football contest. But I, I have it on the books for next year. And uh, I think that's one more thing that we're going to have. It's going to be a contest that's going to be different than anybody else. But Jimmy, Jimmy really brought that first contest to pick the pros and sold it to Michael Gaughan back in the 70s. Um, and really, those those have exploded. They, they may have outused their uh, outlived their usefulness. Um, but you know, the guys are coming up with different stuff and lots of props and all that other thing. And uh, you know, we had three hundred some props in the last couple Super Bowls. And I always tell everybody, I tell Michael Gaughan, the owner, I said these are not slam dunks. The competition has gotten very good now, and uh, the handicappers have also gotten very good. So don't just think we're going to make X percent of these things we could lose too and you know knock on wood we've won so far so michael tends to forget that you know and i remind them every year uh but and i'm sure i'm gonna have to remind them well at least i hope we have a super bowl so i have to remind them again this year um but those things we just we, we do try to come up with some new props you know rob i'm not sure i i think right now like i said in my tiny little brain i think we have it exhausted but i have a feeling other guys are going to come up with things in the next couple of years and you know, I'll look back five years from now and say, man, was I, was I off base? There's actually one last question I want to ask you. So often in sports betting, a game comes down and you look at the total and it's like 45 and a half and the game ends at 46 and there's a last drive that's going to determine that. And people always say, man, Vegas is so smart. Vegas is so good. So I'm curious from that side of things, is that like, 
owning a red Honda. So now every time you're on the street, you're more aware of red Hondas. Or how does that sort of happen for the casual fan who is like, how did they know Hawaii and San Diego State was going to come down to exactly like this? Or is that why you're Vegas? Well, it's a little bit of both. I mean, we, you know, I know for myself, I, and I, I've been working on my methodology for 40 years, you know, so, you know, I, I'm, you know, a pretty good odds maker, pretty good line maker, but there's a lot of games out there. You know, so when one team wins by 21 and they were in a pick em game, you, you know, you don't hear about that one. But when the other teams pick them and it's coming down to a last second field goal, make or miss by this much, it's all oh, those Vegas guys are so sharp. <laughs> really what it is, there's just a big statistical sample out there. So it's always easy to find one game that either you're way off or you're dead on. And, you know, it kind of depends on your – believe me, i got a lot of guys that come up to me and say, how did you miss that one? Oh, you, man, you guys were way off on that one. So I get those guys, and then I get the other one. How did you know that was going to be – you know, we just put up the odds and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. And sometimes they fall close, and a lot of times they don't. Chris, really enjoyed this conversation with you. And once again, I highly recommend checking out your book, Then One Day, 40 Years of Bookmaking in Vegas. Where can everybody in connect Nevada. with you? In Nevada. In Nevada. In Nevada. A lot of years in northern Nevada, too. So I, I had to put Nevada in there rather than just Las Vegas. Where can everybody connect with you? Uh, well, first of all, you can buy the book on Amazon. Uh, you could follow me on Twitter at, at Andrew Sports. Two S's there in the middle. And uh, I try to put out – there's not a lot of content to put out right now. But I try to put out as much as I can. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'm a pretty decent follow. I got about 30,000 followers. I know other guys have millions, but, you know, 30,000 isn't bad. Um, you know, we just try to keep it fun, try to keep it on the light side, try not to take life too seriously, you know, because there's a lot of serious stuff out there, and betting in sports should be fun. I really enjoy your perspective, Chris. And as always, I want to hear from you. One, have you laid down any NHL Stanley Cup action yet? Two, how did you do in the Tiger Phil match? Were you enjoying that? And would you watch that in the future? You can hit me up on Twitter at Rob Cressy. Make sure to use hashtag Sharp 600 and be part of our community. And also make sure to tag at covers. And if you enjoyed this conversation with Chris and I, you know what would really help a ton is if you went to iTunes and give us a rating review on our show because it helps others discover the show and become part of our community. And remember, if you want to be a sharp, don't be a square with your bankroll. Be disciplined with your money management. The broken dollar devil hit you with the rap level of 10. The one, two, three, your pen. I get action. So everybody jump with your rope. If you like the way the sound pops, pump it in your black trunk. And let loose with the juice when I do rock. I'm too hot. Some say I got more juice than two pops.